1: The word and the war still stick in Americans' craw, Vietnam. More than 40 years ago, the foremost nation in the free world had to abandon the war it once claimed was vital to defeating communism. It left in its prop wash more than 58,000 dead Americans, more than 3 million dead Vietnamese, and an aching unease about America's leaders at home and its leadership in the world. We may not like talking about Vietnam, but beginning on September 17th on PBS, filmmaker Ken Burns and his colleague Lynn Novick take us to war, the war in Vietnam, the war at home. 18 hours of it, the Vietnam story start to finish, if there is a finish to this unhealed wound on the national spirit. Like the Civil War, whose stories Burns also told on film, this war too is about cleaving people, by race, by class, by one culture and another, one nation and another, by parents split from children, by peace arrayed against war, by civilians versus military, by bravery up against brutality. Burns explains something of his 10-year undertaking. This was the most witnessed, the most recorded, the most photographed war up to that point in history, significant moments, turning points in the war because of those photographs. A little girl napalmed on a road, uh, a South Vietnamese police chief shooting a suspected communist in the head. Was this too much of a good thing?
0: Well, as in the Civil War series and in our World War II series, we always had much more material uh, than we could possibly use and that was true of Vietnam, and we also had much more material that you don't want to use. And We edited out uh, individual photographs of morbidity from the Civil War, and certainly some of the stuff in World War II is, is really difficult to, to look at. We do have the images, the classic moments that you described in our film, and in both those cases we kind of... Uh, dissect them and uh, understand how they came to be and then we do stop to understand the power of those two particular images to which I would add uh, the photograph of the young woman lying over her dead comrade at Kent State in May of 1970 uh, in protest to the invasion of Cambodia and the National Guard reaction there in Ohio to that to those protests uh, as as those kind of iconic images that sort of helped change the direction That just symbolized for me what this war was doing to our culture. These were kids on both sides, young National Guard boys who had very little training, probably scared, uh, and not well-led, and, and, and young men and women on the other side protesting the war out there for you know idealistic reasons. And look at what happens when we let things get as bad as they got. The media had unfettered access, uh, unlike World War II and Korea, and unlike now. This kind of access, combined with the presidential tapes, ain't going to happen again. So having this you know, ringside seat to this war is hugely important, not just for understanding Vietnam, but also because it speaks to all of these other issues, the role of journalism in a democracy, just our own basic lack of or amount of humanity that we might have.
1: From the filmmaker's logistical point of view, there are probably hundreds of people that you started interviewing as part of this process to winnow down to a few dozen who actually filmed, uh, appeared in the documentary. Uh, what was that process
0: like? I'm sure well over a thousand talking to them on the phone, asking them various things, seeing you know several hundred in person, interviewing the hundred or so that we did for the 79 to be on camera. And that's not including all the people who exist in our film archivally, like uh, Richard Nixon and Henry Kissinger and, and Lyndon Johnson and Robert McNamara. But you do meet 79 people, and they include about 50 Americans and almost 30 uh Vietnamese, including North Vietnamese soldiers and North Vietnamese civilians, Viet Cong guerrillas, South Vietnamese soldiers, South Vietnamese civilians, and diplomats and protesters. And so we felt it was super important in the course of this to to reflect. Americans tend to talk about Vietnam when they talk about it. They only refer to themselves. We thought it would be more helpful to understand a, a, a better dimensional portrait with perspective if we could include all these other views. Still, the, the Americans far outnumber the talking heads of the Vietnamese, you know, by multiple factors. And, and this is told still within the relationship to an American uh, narrative. But yes, it's hugely important to do that. Uh, we weren't trying to um, make arguments. We, weren't, we didn't have a political agenda. Uh, we wanted to be umpires calling balls and strikes. But to do that, to see those pitches coming in, we needed to, to hear about the war from lots of different uh, folks. Oh where have you been my blue eyes And where have you been my darling young one
1: You are old enough to have been eligible for the military lottery for Vietnam yes. So how did working on this series shape rework your perception of Vietnam
0: yeah. <laughs> just, I don't recognize the person who began this project and the person you're talking to now. I mean, I went into this project thinking, ah, I like baseball, uh, I'm going to be working on a subject I know about, I mean, within a few days. Uh, As in baseball, I was humiliated by what I didn't know, and I had to just let go of uh, whatever baggage, whatever conventional wisdom I had. God knows what it was 10 years ago, but it's gone and replaced by more accurate scholarship, by facts, by recollections of people who were actually there. And I think most Americans will spend most of the time watching the series, whether they were there, whether they're historians, whether they're civilians, whether they're kids, millennials who weren't even taught about Vietnam, that they are riveted to the story and went, wow, I had no idea. And that is merely an echo of what we experienced working on it every single day. wow. I had no idea. We hope the film contributes to helping people have the kinds of courageous conversations necessary to sort of exit your hardened silo and uh, begin to look across the table and say, yeah, I get it. I understand your point of view, too. Can you understand mine?
1: Will this be seen in Vietnam?
0: we really really hope so we have created a vietnamese uh uh subtitled version as well as the spanish uh, audio version in addition to to the film we made and we hope in some way that the film might also be able to be played in vietnam where i think they're going to be very curious uh, about hearing uh their side because of course they the state has been able to write a history unlike what we do in the united states and um And it will be interesting to see their response uh, once that happens.
1: There was a line in the film. This one seemed to distill the nature of it, calling it a war fought by certain people for uncertain reasons. You know,
0: um, Americans got into it, perhaps overcome with a little bit of hubris, distracted by a Cold War uh, mentality that misread some things about it, had military decisions uh, being made by civilian presidents who had domestic political considerations, which is a polite way of saying, will I get reelected, on their mind rather than what it is. um, uh, You know, a country divided uh, by that uh, war almost in half, and then finally a majority of people opposed it. Do you think this is going to unravel some
1: of the myths that surely persist about Vietnam as they do about any war?
0: I sure hope so. Uh, You know, there's not just the myth, but there's also all of the conjecture and arguments that somehow have worked themselves into uh, folks' certainty. And certainty is the enemy of anything, certainty is what fundamentalists believe, and fundamentalists, you know, fly our planes into buildings. You know, you got to be flexible, open uh, to hearing another side. And, and And too often, you know, as we went along, people would say, well, if only this general had replaced that general sooner, we would have won. Or if Kennedy had lived, he wouldn't have gotten us into Vietnam. Well, maybe, but we just don't know. That's not what happened. These parlor games are as sort of dead ends as are, what if the Confederates had won the Civil War? What if the Nazis had won uh, the the, uh, the Second World War? This is the stuff of fiction and of of science fiction. But when you're in the history business, when you're in the fact business, when you're into trying to figure out how to tell a story, these kind of arguments and myths, as you put them, become just that, myths and arguments. And we have been aided by a variety of scholars across Uh, the spectrum of of, uh, historical awareness and by veterans at every turn whose BS meters are pretty finely tuned, and uh, even by just regular folks who didn't know much about it but could help us understand where we are assuming too much or whether we assumed not enough.
1: Pop culture suffuses your documentary as it did the culture then. Both the young protesters at home and the young soldiers in Vietnam were listening to the same kind of music.
0: You know, we are enjoying the soundtrack, uh, an amazing soundtrack, by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, supplemented by music from Yo-Yo Ma and the Silk Road Ensemble. But the film also features 120 takes from the existing music, mostly rock and roll, but folk and country and jazz and blues and all sorts of stuff. And so this will be the soundtrack of the time. And for someone who lived through it and someone who's aware of the power of music, and what's so amazing is that this is music drawn from one of the most fertile uh, periods in all of music. And so this is stuff that not only do, do my kids listen to still, but my grandkids listen to now and that and we promised every artist and state and label and publisher that we would not play a tune unless it was already out that you could hear it in your plane as general McPeak did going back and forth uh, to targets on armed forces radio or Saigon radio or a grunt could hear it you know stationed uh, at his base camp uh, or that you know you could hear it in the medics tent or on a transistor radio at a protest or in a car radio on a way to that protest or at home as you're trying to figure out, as most Americans were, what's right, what's wrong, should we be there, shouldn't we be there? I I don't know. And the moralist in us wants to say black or white, good or bad, young or old, red state, blue state, whatever it is. But in fact, it's complicated. And that is sometimes the answer to everything in this film. It's just complicated. And we tried to create a place where many different and differing perspectives could coexist.
1: As the war was going on, it took us from the Kennedy assassination into Watergate, and a period that Americans seemed to think that their government had broken faith with them, so they broke faith with their government.
0: I agree. And uh, you see the seeds going way, way back, even to World War One, but certainly to World War Two and uh, late, late uh, Roosevelt and and. Truman and Eisenhower, as well as the Kennedy, Nixon, and Johnson. Yes, and I think this makes it the watershed moment that we feel it is the most important event in American history since the Second World War. And by studying it, we get a kind of sense of the kind of people we are. Now, I I think we tend to report this either one way or the other. And it might be possible to see with the list of all of the things that resonate in the present, that Vietnam is not just the hourglass running out of sand on the American experience. You could flip it over and say, this is a really wonderful test. Um, the American people basically slowly but surely decided this is not something they wanted, and through their elected representatives and by taking actions uh, in the streets, uh, helped change opinions on the war and, and and moved the dime on that. So, too, that we could look at the current situation and say this is an ordinary, extraordinary moment and test for the institutions and, and to try to find out the real resilience of our fragile republic in in all ways. Uh, a rejuvenated press recently, people back out in the streets uh, talking, an intelligence community, a, a legislative branch struggling to find its voice, a judicial branch. All of that may, in fact, be part of a test that we may look back on as our finest hour.
1: Well, here is where I sound rah-rah by bringing up the question of American exceptionalism. We went in to Vietnam with the attitude I think we had in the Second World War, that we're the people who make the world safe for democracy. And we came out of it thinking differently. But the exceptionalism part that remains seems to be the conviction that when we look at Vietnam, we are better than this.
0: Yes, I I agree completely. And I do believe in our exceptionalism. Um, I am not Pollyanna in in it. And we constantly have to hold ourselves to a much higher standard than anyone else is held to. I think that's part of the American promise. Uh, Lincoln predicted, even as a young, young um, lawyer, uh, not even 29 years old, giving a talk at the Young Men's Lyceum, he said, Whence shall we expect the approach of danger? Shall some transatlantic giant step the earth and crush us at a blow? Never. All the armies of Europe, Asia, and Africa could not by force take a drink from the Ohio River or make a track in the Blue Ridge in the trial of a thousand years. If destruction be our lot, we must ourselves be its author and finisher. As a nation of free men, we will live through all time or die by suicide. In Vietnam, for me, just to get up in the morning and look out at the land and think, in a few minutes, I'll be walking out there and will my... Corpse be there or there.
1: Every war leaves a stamp on the character of the nation that fought it. Is, is is there a stamp that you can, one or two, that you can crystallize that Vietnam stamped upon us?
0: Oh, absolutely. I think, um, you know, the military learned a lot of practical stuff. They didn't like having collateral damage, so they learned precision bombing. They didn't like having their plane shot out of the air, so they developed stealth technology. They didn't want the press uh getting into every nook and corner so they invented the embedded thing we don't as a people gonna blame the soldiers anymore that's one of the best and most durable thing i never think we'll forget that but the policy makers are the ones where the failure happens and there is a bloodlust in the human condition that's not american it's in every breast and people forget the cost of war very quickly afterwards and we tend to sentimentalize or romanticize or just have complete amnesia about war's costs it's, it's sort of heightened human existence, you know, where somebody has the possibility of experiencing their violent death at any moment. They're, they're going to live life at a level that we don't experience at this moment, you and I, as we have this conversation. And at the same time, we presuppose, quite correctly, that war brings out the worst in people. It does. But there is also a concurrent humor, and there's a concurrent fellowship, and there's a concurrent love that also permeates and in degrees that we don't always see in other places. And, and that's what I like about it, and it comes in unexpected places. Um, you know, on the battlefield, of course, um, in, in, on a protest march, all these different places. And if you're not open enough to receive it, then you end up kind of pulling yourself back to that hardened silo where it's impossible to budge from preconceived, and in the case of Vietnam, more often than not, erroneous beliefs. So we had a very different idea of patriotism. So we began uh, an era in which two groups of Americans, both thinking that they were acting patriotically, went to war with each other. And I think all that Vietnam did was pick the scab uh, for people of of all political stripes. and, And we're still not, that wound isn't completely healed to this day.
1: Ken Burns, thank you so much. It's always the greatest pleasure to speak with you.
0: Oh, that's so nice of you. Thank you.
1: Pat Morrison Asks is produced for the Los Angeles Times by Pat Morrison. It's engineered by Tim French and Todd G. Levin and edited by Levin. The audio moments are from the Ken burns Lynn Novick film, Vietnam, and the music, Janis Joplin, Bob Dylan, The Beatles, Buffalo Springfield, and The Birds all from the documentary series. Subscribe to Pat Morrison Asks and never miss a podcast. I am Pat Morrison.